Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Uh, we're going to start a new series today. Uh, I mentioned uh, before that it's been kind of a roller coaster in our society. Uh, I want to encourage you that 2020 is coming to an end. We're almost there. I saw a picture online that re- reminded me kind of what it looks like. So if you'll throw that picture up there, we just have to get across the bridge there uh, and we'll make it to 2021. I thought that was funny. Uh, there is a lot going on, and, and I want you to know you can take the picture down. Uh, I want you to know that. Um, and we're aware of everything that's going on out there. We're aware of the rise in cases and the political atmosphere. Uh, I want you to know that I don't make it my, my goal every week to uh, follow the roller coaster with my messages. I don't try to adapt uh, and, and just focus on what's going on out there and make my message about that. And the reason for that is because uh, we don't have to force relevance into the Word of God. Uh, The Word of God is already relevant. The Bible says it's living and active. It's relevant already. We don't have to make it active or make it uh, relevant. And we don't try to adapt the Word of God to the culture around us. But I want to look at culture through the lens of the Word of God. So if you're here this morning and you're wondering why didn't he preach on the election, uh, that's why, because I'm preaching on the Word of God and it's relevant to the election. It's relevant to everything that's going on out there. So this morning, we're going to start a new series. Uh, It's called You Asked For It. A few months ago, we sent out these cards, and we said, uh, what would you like to hear us talk about? And we got two kinds of responses. Uh, One of the responses was, um, can you speak on this subject? Because it's something I'm not real familiar with. Uh, I would like to learn more about it. The other uh, thing, uh, the other type of response is... uh, This topic has changed my life. Would you talk about it so that other people can experience it too? And this morning, it's more of the latter. Uh, It's a a topic that I I think changed lives. Um, I do want you to know that, yeah, I'm going to say it. Um, We have this sermon series planned out for the next few weeks, uh, but that is subject to change because... um, well, we have these cards. You know what? I'm not going to say it. I'm going to get myself into a political foot in the mouth. So I'm going to stop right there. But I had a really funny joke, just so you know. But you've got to figure it out on your own. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm learning, church. I'm learning. It took me about four years to take the foot out of the mouth. But we're getting there. Uh, but today we had the question uh, that was asked, uh, who are we? What do we have, and what can we do in Christ? Uh, Who are we? What do we have? What can we do in Christ? Uh, Basically, this question is this. uh, What is is it that separates us uh, from the world around us in terms of our identity, our possessions, our abilities in Christ? What is it that separates us uh, from the world around us? Now, we've talked about that first question a lot this year. Who are we in Christ? And in fact, that's been our vision for 2020 is to discover exactly who we are in Christ. So I'm not going to spend too much time on that. uh, But I don't want you to think it's because it's unimportant. Because uh, the Bible says, uh, Paul said that if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. And I believe what can change you, your your day-to-day life, the way that you uh, live your life, Uh, is a simple understanding of the transformation that takes place in your life spiritually uh, when you surrender your heart to Christ. The Bible says in an instant, based solely on faith, 
based solely on your decision to surrender to Jesus Christ, you are made holy, you are made righteous, you are made pure. You are set free from the sin that's held you down for years. You are set free from fear and anxiety. You are a child of God. All of this happens, and it's got nothing to do with something you have done or accomplished. It's based on the accomplishments of Christ on the cross and you placing your faith in Him. Paul said that uh, we are people who our old selves were crucified with Jesus Christ. And in Colossians 2, he said, then we have new selves who were raised with him. There should be a before and an after. And church, what will completely change your life is getting that knowledge of who you are in Christ from your head and into your heart. But there are three questions on the card today. Uh, and because we're limited on time, I want to spend more time on those second two. The questions of what do we have in Christ and what can we do in Christ? What can we do that we would not be able to do apart from Christ? And now I, I have to start with kind of the churchy answer, the blanket answer that, that Paul gives in Philippians 4.13, where he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, as a pastor, I think I'm required to start with that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But there, there's a key here, church. It is through Christ who strengthens me. And what that means is we need to be a people who takes God, who takes Jesus Christ, and makes him the center of our universe. And when Jesus is the one strengthening us, there is nothing we cannot overcome. You say, my marriage is in peril. Take Jesus and place him at the center of your marriage. If it's your finances, take Jesus and place him at the center of your finances, at the center of your workplace, at the center of, uh, of your, your school, the halls in school, if they over, open again, the center of your school. We have to take Jesus out of this box, this Sunday morning box that we placed him in and say, he is the center of every aspect of my life. So the first answer to that question, what can we do in Christ? We can do all things in Christ. But I want to make it a little more uh, practical for your everyday. And if you've been with us for uh, much time, you probably know that I really enjoy the book of Exodus, the story of the Exodus, uh, when God appears to Moses in the burning bush and the story that ensues. Uh, so let's uh, read in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Says the Lord said to, to Moses out of the burning bush, he says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. I've said that a few times, just so you know. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. One of the th uh, reasons that I love the story of the Exodus is because there are 
So many revelations of who God is. So many revelations of His nature, of His miracles in the book of uh, Exodus. It begins with that burning bush. We find the ten plagues, and each plague is a different uh, uh, revelation of, of levels and aspects of God's uh, power. Uh, and then you got the parting of the Red Sea, where you have this enemy army that is uh, hot on their tails and pressing up against them, and now they face an in, immovable object in front of them, yet God provides a way for them. Uh, they become hungry, starving, and God provides manna raining from the sky. They say, no, God, we won't meet. And all of a sudden, quail is raining from the sky. They say, God, we're going to thirst to death. And Moses hits a rock, and water comes out of the rock. And, and what we're seeing uh, throughout the book of Exodus is we're seeing that God is their provider. He is their deliverer, their protector. He is the miracle-working God. So much of this is being revealed to the Israelite people in the book of Exodus. And for hundreds of years, the Israelites would look back on the Exodus and they would remember God's faithfulness. They would find hope in the story of the Exodus. They would remember his deliverance and his miracles. And actually, if you look at some of the stories in Scripture, the enemies of Israel would look back on the Exodus and they would tremble in fear because they would say, that God of the Exodus is in the Israelites' favor. But what I want to look at this morning for a moment is... We look at this story and we say it began with the burning bush. But actually, it did not begin with the burning bush. Why did God appear to Moses in the first place? Now, this is not a trick question. He actually says it in the passage that we read earlier. God appeared in the, the burning bush because of the cries of his people. He says, Moses, I have heard the cries of my people, so I've come down to rescue them. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I want to see a revival, a pouring out of God's Spirit in our county and in our country. Church, the way it's going to happen is it's going to be a response of God to the cries of His people. And we can sit here and we can think about how nice revival would be, but that doesn't bring revival. What brings revival is crying out to God. The entire story of the Exodus, the miracles and the signs and the wonders and the powers of God can be traced back to the cries of God's people. If we want to see something happen, it's going to be in response to, to the cries of his people. Why? Because that's God's nature. That's the way that God works. If you read the Bible, Jesus said, uh, seek and you'll find, or ask and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. And actually, the tense he uses is keep on seeking and keep on knocking and keep on asking. He told his disciples to pray that his kingdom would come. Do you think it's because he couldn't do it on his own or that he didn't want it to happen? No, it's an invitation into partnership with his will. Church, it's not God, that God can't do these things without us is that he's inviting us to be a part of it. So you say, Pastor, what can I do in Christ? The first thing you can do is you can pray. And you can cry out. And I'm sorry if that's not shiny enough for you. I'm sorry if that doesn't sparkle enough for you. But church, there is power in prayer. That is the most powerful tool that we have been given as the people of Jesus Christ, the people of God. 
And in fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Somebody say divine power. Wow, you guys sound excited this morning. Somebody say divine power. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. You say, what can I do? God has placed divine power in your hands. And this is what it looks like. Prayer, church. Pray. I recognize that we live in the days of uh, instant gratification. And if we don't see it immediately, we give up on it. So prayer is a little bit countercultural. Because prayer takes an investment. Prayer is not just waiting for that moment and praying. Prayer is, is you've been in prayer for a long time. I want to show you that. Because whoever wrote this card might be saying, no, pastor, when I said, what can I do? I meant, tell us about the miracles that we can perform. And Jesus did say, very truly, I say to you, those who believe in me will do even greater things than I did. The Bible does say that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we are filled with power from on high. But if you look at Scripture, church, what you will find is that when God was doing miracles, He was doing it through people who had a lifestyle of prayer. Even if you look at Jesus, Jesus would step away from the crowds all the time to pray. If you look at the disciples, actually one of the earliest descriptions that the Bible ever gives us of the disciples is Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 14. If you want to throw that on the screen for me, they all joined together constantly in prayer. So when you look at the New Testament and you see uh, the, the blind can see and the deaf can hear and the lame can walk and the dead are raised in miracles and signs and wonders, trace it back to this moment. They all join together constantly in prayer. And actually on the other side of that, if you look at Mark chapter 9, the Bible says uh, that, that this boy came to the disciples or the parents brought a boy and they said, uh, can you heal him? And the disciples couldn't do it. Jesus responded to them uh, in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, because they said, why can't we do it? And Jesus said, this kind can come out only by prayer. Some manuscripts say by prayer and fasting. Now, I want you to think about something in, in context here. So if they go to pray for the deliverance of this boy who has an evil spirit on him, and uh, it doesn't happen, do you know what they would do? They would pray harder. Okay, that's just natural. That's what, what, what they would do is, is they would pray harder. Maybe they would close their eyes a little tighter. I don't know, but they would pray harder. When Jesus says that this kind only comes out by prayer, he's not talking about prayer in the moment. Obviously, they've tried prayer. What Jesus is talking about is a foundation of prayer. If you look at people, uh, even modern day, uh, who have uh, miracle ministries and, and, and signs and wonders in their ministries, if you read any of the books about them and any of the great evangelists, their lives were just grounded in a place of prayer. So you say, what can I do in Christ? Church, you can pray. There is nothing more powerful that you can do than pray. All right, give me just a moment. 
Karen, you were doing good. You want to take over? <laughs> I'm not doing good, but it's up to us. That's the message I'm getting. And there's so many people that need Jesus. And we're at the end. We're back to Noah. The world is at the end. And we need to. We've got to reach them. And it's up to us. There's nobody else. People of God have to be the prayers, have to be the goers. Church, what can you do? You can pray, and I'm sorry if it's not shiny enough, but you can listen to the Holy Spirit. You can obey the Holy Spirit. Because when, when God said to Moses, he said, I've heard the cries of my people. What did he say after that? He said, so I'm going to send you. So Moses had to listen. Moses had to obey. Moses had to, to walk in alignment with God's will. You say, Pastor, I'm talking about the miracles and signs. But no, it's, it starts here, church. It starts with being receptive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, with prayer and trust and walking in faith. And all of these factors lead us to the next question on here, which is, what do we have in Christ? And we have so many things in Christ. We have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have a joy that is independent of the circumstances around us. I've talked the last few weeks about the peace that, that passes understanding. Uh, in John chapter 16, where Jesus says to the disciples, Hey, you're, there's going to be weeping and mourning and, and grieving. And I tell you this so you have peace. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, let's look at that for a minute. In John 16, because I want to show you something. He says, I tell you these things that you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take a heart. I have overcome the world. There are two ends in this statement, two ends, uh, two locations. One of them is in this world. The other one is in me, in Christ. And he says, in this world, there is trouble. In me, there is peace. The problem, church, is we, we begin looking for peace in this world. We begin saying, if the person I voted for is elected, I will have peace. The problem with that is you won't always get the person you elected. But God never changes. So if you're here this morning, and the person you didn't vote for is not in there, if your peace was grounded in Christ to begin with, your peace would not be affected right now. Do you understand that, church? Church, we have peace and hope and joy, and we have influence. What do I mean by influence? I was thinking about Esther again this week. When the entire fate of the Israelite people was at stake, Esther only had one thing. She had a position of privilege with the king where she could approach the king and influence the king. That's all she had. But she went to him and she cried out for her people. You know, I was thinking this week... So often in Scripture, some of the greatest miracles were when people weren't crying out for themselves. 
You know, th there was this incredible miracle when Esther was crying out for the nation. One of my favorite miracles in the New Testament is when they lower the lame man on the mat. And Jesus said, I, I, I haven't seen this type of faith. What's so incredible is their faith was on behalf of another. Have you ever considered that? This faith that was so incredible was not for themselves. It was that Jesus can move in someone else's life. We have faith, church, that God can move in our own lives. Do you believe that God can pour His Spirit out in the schools and in the workplace, in our community? Renee, can you come? Jesus told His disciples, I want you to pray that my kingdom would come, that my will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus calls to us to call out to Him. Do you see this? Jesus is calling us to call out to Him. If you look at the book of Revelation where it says, I stand at the door and knock waiting for the door to be opened. Do you recognize that God is standing at the door asking you to just invite Him into the situations in your life? Invite Him into your marriage, in your workplace, in your school. Invite Him into our nation. Can you stand this morning? Who are we in Christ? Church, it'll change your life. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says about you if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. That Jesus has taken your sins and has replaced them with the righteousness of God. Did you see that when you looked in the mirror this morning? that you are pure and holy and righteous. You are a child of the Most High God. What do we have in Christ? We have peace. We have joy. Church, we have a hope that is not grounded in this world. What can we do in Christ? We can use the divine power that God has given us and we can cry out. Church, I want to see the Holy Spirit sweep this county. Wanting it is going to do nothing. Crying out for it will change the nation. This morning as Renee leads us, Church, can we cry out together? I don't know if you noticed something in the, in the election. How many people are in our country? Like several hundred million? I mean, 800 million, something like that. How much? 360 million or 360 voters? <laughs> oh, that was actually a serious question. <laughs> What's incredible right now about our country is hundreds of millions of, peoples and, uh, of people, and when you look at the election, we're divided in half. Yes. I, I, we are divided as you can be. 
And I can tell you what the word of God says. A nation divided against itself will not stand. And we can sit here this morning and we can hope that it gets better. We can want to live in a nation that's more united under God. Or we can begin to cry out. We can begin to cry out for revival. I've got news for you. Trump's not going to save the nation and Biden's not going to save the nation. God is the only salvation for this nation. Didn't get struck by lightning for that, so we're, we're good. <laughs> I thought I heard it coming, but I was like, I think I sidestepped it there. All right. Church, can we cry out as Renee leads us? Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.